Disclaimer, we do not agree with or support JK Rowling's bigotry and prejudice in any way, shape, or form, and we also do not tolerate Draco Sands or Death Eater sympathizers. However, they are warmly welcome to tune into our podcast. We'd also like to forewarn everyone that we will be mentioning later books and events in every episode, so here's your official spoiler warning. Enjoy the show! My name Hi. is Delia Volkanov, and this is my friend Colin Bones. I'm Colin Bones, and welcome to Ron and Hermione Minus the Romance. Today is the movie episode of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Woo! We are both so very excited. Yep. Um, yeah. Let's talk about this dumpster fire of a movie. It sucks. Okay, what's funny is, like, I never really watched the Harry Potter movies for the plot. Like, I didn't I didn't watch it for plot accuracy. That's the thing. I watched them because they were fun, the graphics were cool, the acting was most of the time, like, interesting, and, like, so it's like, I never watched it and picked apart, like, the plot. Like, I obviously definitely noticed all of the times when like hey that didn't happen or that was out of order it's like I noticed that stuff but it didn't really bother me like ever I read the books and analyzed the books but like not the movies but this was the first movie that we've watched on this podcast that I was watching it and literally sitting there like what the what is going on like this is the very very first time I have realized how unorganized the movies are I feel like there's not a single thing I like about this movie. I, they change, I mean, change is always good. It's an interpretation, but you're, it makes no sense. Yeah. They, nothing was, makes any sense. Yeah. I think it's because I was always watching the movies from the perspective of someone who has read the books a thousand times and knows them so well that the movie just like, cause it's like in my head, I would just fill in the blanks. You know, if something was out of order, yeah. I would just, you know, it's like it never like threw me or I never really watched it from any other perspective besides that of a person who knows the knows the plot so, so well until this time when I was sitting there taking notes. And I, I wouldn't say necessarily that I was like watching it a different way. I was just paying closer attention to like things that we could talk about. And this truly was the first time that I was sitting there and watching like what is going on? What is going on? Yeah. I mean, the movie immediately starts off with a huge change. Like, they just completely cut out the Dursleys. Yep. Which <laughs> I think is very necessary for this story. You would think. And makes <laughs> the radical change in Order of the Phoenix seem really odd. Like, because they the characters act very differently and we're supposed to see that development but we don't we don't get the development we don't yeah because i guess we they decided we're done with the dursleys that's we don't need that um there were a few things i did like about this movie like the very first thing i have to say as a musician the score is fantastic absolutely i was thinking about this the other day like if I could, if the movies never existed, but I could take one thing from them, it would be the music. Like, it's the just so... The score is so, excellent. Like, it the was the best music, addition to Harry Potter. 
the opening music is so good. I would literally die to play this. Like, the literally the violin part is so cool. I have been actively looking for sheet music for days. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, no. Immediately watching the opening, like, credits, let's say. Um, yeah, the, the score is just incredible. It's so good. Like, the music is just fantastic throughout the series. Like, all of it is just... And they use it so well. Like, they use the music, like, the underscoring especially is so good. Like, I just, I talk more about it later. But they, al- they always use the music in really, really effective ways in this movie. Like, the underscoring mm-hmm. is key. And the more you pay attention to it, like, it's just, they, it's, uh, it's, it's so good. <laughs> um, and the movie immediately starts with Nagini just going through skulls for some reason. Um, and that's a fast fucking snake. It gets to that, it trucks its way up to that house. (laughs) Like it's, she is on a mission. Yeah. (laughs) And it's, I, I don't like snakes. I don't, I mean, I know it's part of the books and they had to do it, but I don't like looking at them and I'd prefer them to get away from me. (laughs) Okay, but okay, the thing I did like about this movie is how they do immediately set the tone. Like, Frank Bryce's portion, especially of this beginning, that whole beginning scene opening, whatever, all of that is... It's, like, kind of ripped straight from the book. Like, I felt like it was... It's very, very, like, also, but, like, visually, it's very dark around, like, especially, like, around the edges. Like, it almost, like... Which I found kind of interesting, because I noticed that it was mostly dark around the edges with the, like, the picture, let's say, in the middle, which I thought was kind of interesting, because that adds to the effect of it being a dream. Um, yeah, and the Although under- I do have to say, it begins the tone of Harry Potter movies just being incredibly hard to see. Like, you have to squint at everything in Half-Blood Prince. Like, what- can- I- can you turn up the brightness, please? <laughs> turn up the brightness. It's- <laughs> You might as well call Half-Blood Prince a black and white film because that's what it is. There's like <laughs> tints of green There's and that's about it. Green. Um yeah, the underscoring is super ominous in the the dream portion in the beginning and it's like I already listening to the music, I know what happens. Listening to the music gave me like if I had never seen it, like gave me a bad feeling already. Um I think also This isn't necessarily about the movie, but I noticed that I hadn't noticed this when we read through the book. Um, I think it's especially interesting and really well done that they're showing us at the beginning of this book updates with Voldemort through the eyes of a muggle because that adds to the feeling of, like, dread about what's happening because it's through the eyes of someone we've never seen before and I feel like it heightens, it raises the stakes. Because it's like, the book opens, and it doesn't obviously open with, guys, it's just a dream, so it's cool. But like, you know? And so, it's like, seeing this, and going through the story of, of Little Hangleton, and and um, watching it all about, like, through Frank Bryce's eyes, basically, in a way, I think it's really interesting. Because it's like, when he gets into the house, and he's listening to Voldemort, it's like, it raises the stakes because we're kind of thinking like, okay, well, how is he going to get in touch with the people that really need to know? Like, who's going to find out? Is anyone going to know? And then 
you find out that Harry knows, but has no idea what to do with the information. So I feel like that it was interesting to watch in the movie um, how they adapted that scene. Um, but yes, it was very dark, like tone-wise, and literally it was so dark. <laughs> yeah. Also, can I just say, Nagini's parcel tongue sounds so creepy. It's like... You mean was... snakes normally hissing? No, no, but it's it's not even that, because they add something to it. No snake actually sounds like that, but it's literally um, I just... believe the entire point is that that's how snakes Okay, sound. yeah, but they do... It's like, ugh, whatever. It's just, it's gross, okay? I think parcel tongue grosses me out. It just, I, I don't like it. I know, but I do it on the regular. <laughs> I know! Fun. And everyone's really scared of me all of the time. I'm not. <laughs> okay, but people who see me in public have, like, <laughs> they clutch their children. Like you do it in public? <laughs> Are you just at the mall and then you're just like... <laughs> I kind of do it, like, whenever I get mad, and I, like, kind of <laughs> say it like I'm cussing in a different language, you know? Snake language. Yeah. <laughs> also, why does it almost sound like Voldemort was voiced by someone else in the beginning? Like, it sounds weird. He sounds weird when he's, Because he's supposed like... to sound like a baby. I don't think he's necessarily supposed to sound like a baby, but I was no, watching I, it, and I was like... No, it's definitely what they're going for. Yeah. Anyways. Um, also, I just have to say, my god, Harry's hair is so long. Okay, <laughs> Harry's hair is awful in this movie. <laughs> I kind it's of so love bad. it. <laughs> no. I think Ron is the only person who actually works the long hair thing, but I also don't know what the hell they were going for. Why does everyone decide to have long hair in this movie? Oh, yeah, the twins, too. Yep. They look like the cast of Where the Wild Things Are. <laughs> also, why did Ron, like, when Hermione woke him up, why did he, like, cover himself as if he was naked? Like, he was wearing a shirt. Well, he, like, pulls the blanket up, and it was just really funny, because I was like... You're fully clothed. Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> I, I, okay. Yeah. I, I, okay. there are several reasons why he would be doing that. Okay, whatever. <laughs> I'm just saying, a girl just rushed into his room in the morning. I'm assuming boys don't exactly want that. <laughs> okay. I'm completely being honest. I think that's what they were going for. Okay, I just no, but it's funny. I know what you're fair saying. Enough? No, I get, it. <laughs> I get it. Thanks. No, but the way that you phrased that originally, it sounded like you were saying that as if it was some random girl. No, it's like it wasn't a random. <laughs> no. Oh no, I know it's funny. Anyways, um, I think that oh no, you had something. And to then say. just to add on to Hermione's motherliness that they love to put in this movie. Like, why does she need to mother them? Like, later in this movie, there, she's like, Harry, go to bed. Go to bed. <laughs> what? Who are you? Harry, go to bed right now. <laughs> I know, and then, I, I I don't think it started in this movie, but for some reason, she keeps on calling Ron, Ronald. That, are you his mother? <laughs> no. 
I think it's really creepy. Why are they making this 14-year-old girl a mother figure? I don't know. I feel for her, though. <laughs> so. <laughs> I, just, I don't know why they didn't put Molly Reasley in this movie. She was such a big component of this part of the book. I know. It's amazing the things that weren't included in this movie. Um, I, yeah, honestly, all of them having the absolute worst attitude while they're hiking to the port key. I get it, because hiking is literally the worst. But also, like, why does it have to be so far away? I, I don't know. I mean, but like, also, I know- I, I, the Durst List thing is so frustrating me because I've seen people watch this movie for the first time and they're immediately so confused because they don't explain it either. They make this change and then don't explain it. Like, people are like, did they move out already? Like, are they, is the, are they older now? Are they, like, living their own lives now? Like, what's happening? Because like, they don't explain anything. Of course they don't. I have so many notes about that later. <sighs> Um, why did Cedric fall out of a tree? Um, you know, vampires hang out in trees, generally. <laughs> He's probably just sleeping up there, you know? <laughs> just hanging out. You know, he yeah, just he was, wanted that Yeah, he interest. was literally hanging upside down. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, Amos is only slightly less obnoxious in the movie than he is in the books. Yeah, I thought, I mean, his performance is great in this movie. It, oh, out no. of all of the actors. like He's excellent, but yeah. Which, yeah. He did a really yeah. good job of making me hate him because of how annoying he is. <laughs> and then also feel really, really bad for him. So, I think it's really funny. My ne- literal next note is, why is this movie so dark? <laughs> like, visually. See? <laughs> um, also, the way they show Porky's is not at all accurate. No. Why why are they why were they floating down? What was that? It's kind of funny. I know it looks like accurate. they're on tricycles. <laughs> also, did you mean what? unicycles? Same thing. Um <laughs> sure. but like Try. how do you gain skills of using a port key? Like they let go when they told them to. I know, like, okay, but, like, why did they let go also? That's not a thing that you do. I don't, I don't. How do you learn to, do you just start moving your legs when you let go? Like, how how do you do that gracefully? I'm really confused. Where the hell did the boot go? Did we see where the boot went? No. Okay. Well, the boot's dead, so... The Quidditch World Cup is more visually vibrant, but everything still looks filtered. You know, like a filter to make it look darker. It's like, I can tell that there are colors there, but they're very dark. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of filmmakers seem to think that in real life there aren't colors. Like, because a lot of times when they're making things more realistic... They're like, oh, let's yep. just saturate everything. Yep. That's not how the world looks. Nope. <laughs> and I think it looks a lot more interesting. It looks cohesive to your other movies if you make it brighter. Yeah. I have this dream of Chris Columbus directing the first four Harry Potter movies. 
and then moving on to different directors from that because I feel like that would have worked so well. Yeah. Because it, there's a certain turning point where what they did with the third and fourth movie would have worked way better in the f- fifth, sixth, and seventh. I, 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 it, how cool would it be? It's Chris Columbus for the first four movies, and then as soon as it gets to the graveyard scene, it switches. Like, that would have been so cool. That would have been really cool. It would have made it less, like, weird and not at all cohesive. And I also think the change, uh, like, the graveyard scene would feel so much darker. Yes. If the rest of the movie wasn't exactly the same. Yep. Honestly, the darkness in the graveyard scene looked more blue than everything else that just looks like muted colors. Like, the overall graveyard scene was, like, so dark, it was almost, like, blue, kind of. But, like, everything else was just dark, and, like, you could see all of the colors, but they were just really muted. Yeah. Um, you know... I would go camping if tents looked like that. If you could fit a whole house inside a really small tent. So you just want to go to a different house as well, I'm hearing. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, the beginning of this movie feels really rushed. I was thinking about that. I was like, why am I feeling so weirdly anxious because while watching this movie? Because the first part of the book is, like, 50 chapters long. <laughs> yeah, but, like, the instead of, like, fixing that in, like, a reasonable way, they just rushed everything. Like, everything is happening so quickly. Because I was literally, I was watching it, and I was like, why do I feel, like, weirdly anxious watching this? And I was like, oh, yeah. Because it's, like so rushed like everything is happening so quickly they're squeezing the beginning into one little part and then dragging out the rest and it just feels really weird i know that like filmmakers don't have don't always have all all of the say in how what they can do with their movies like yeah but i don't understand why you can't just make a movie longer when it's something like this. Like, if fans are so devoted to it that they're going to sit there, they will watch the movie. Like, why can't you take the time to make it longer? Like, the first two movies were so long and those got played in theaters. Why can't you make them all the same length? Or get rid of the completely unnecessary parts you put in this movie. You know, like, the five minutes we spend on them walking into the castle in the most misogynistic and sexist five minutes I've ever seen of my life. And we can't spend any time on the Quidditch World Cup? I know. Okay, also, like, what was I gonna, what was I gonna say? No, no. Oh, yeah, I was gonna, like, okay, if every single one of Quentin Tarantino's movies can be, like, eight hours long, this could have been three. Yeah easily and it always bothered me too that the last harry potter movie is so much shorter than the rest of them because like you split it in two on purpose why not use your time like the battle would have been something to spend a lot more time on like 
I would have even said you could have fit Gringotts into the last movie. Like, I think that whole movie devoted to the battle would have been great and it would have worked, but they chose not to do that. I think one of the only series I've seen of movie, book to movie adaptations that split the last movie and it actually made sense was The Hunger Games. I know you haven't read them, but legitimately no. the book really feels like two very different parts. Like the tone is different. The action is totally different. So I feel like splitting that book into two movies made total sense. But for this, why? I also don't get it. Like why does every single franchise have to have a movie that's split? Because you make more money that way. I know. But, like, come on. I don't think I mean, it's completely necessary. It's like, it's a business. Not only did it's like, yes, they're adapting books to movies because it's great and awesome to see your favorite books be turned into movies, but also it is 100% a business. They're doing what will make them the most money, which means they're doing what they think will appease the most, um, the largest amount of people. It's not always the right thing, but they made huge money with this franchise, even if it wasn't organized or accurate whatsoever. They found what would, I guess, you know, appeal to the majority of people that they were hoping to get to watch these movies, and so they split the last one and did what they could to make as much money as possible. I still feel like they had missed opportunities, though. Like, the merch team had so many areas. Like, give me more Quidditch World Cup. Get me a Victor Crumb action figure. What if I want my own to put in my room, okay? (laughs) They they didn't even make tiny dragons. What if I wanted the tiny dragons you used for 0.5 seconds? Yeah. Um, okay... Why, this is so, this is such a little thing, but why do I feel like Fudge is still yelling even though his voice is amplified? He has the wand to his throat, his voice is amplified, but he's still yelling. Why? You're still going to lose your voice, and the whole point of that spell is to not do that. I I was I, watching I don't it, know. and it just looks stupid. It, it does. <laughs> Also, yeah, like we were just saying, I have it also, written down. We didn't even go over them completely erasing Ludo Bagman from this movie. Yep. Yep. Actually, they they basically combined Ludo and Barty Crouch. Yeah. Yep. And completely. it makes a really confusing character. Yes. And it's weird, because it's like, first of all, I have this written down, and I know we just said it, but like the decision to not include any of the Quidditch match is interesting. Like, they don't even clearly explain who won. Yeah. I mean, they built up so much excitement for this Quidditch game and then didn't show any of it. They don't even explain who won. Like, at one point, Fred goes, oh, I guess the Irish have got their pride on, and you're like, I guess the Irish won? But it's not, like, a thing that's ever actually discussed. Yeah. And it's weird. Also, a really weird change that they made is making okay so arthur just didn't get this out as a job opportunity i guess because they're getting the cheaper seats but they made the cheaper seats the same placement as the good ones in the book and they made it like 
um, Lucius is like, oh yeah, I guess if you'll be the first one to see if it rains. But also, you're watching Quidditch. Why would you want to be on the bottom? Um, the, the Death Eater costumes sure are interesting. Oh my god. <laughs> Who thought that was a good idea? Yeah. Um, for those of you listening who may not know, um, the Death Eaters are featured in long robes and very long pointy hats that just cover their entire faces except, oh no, I'm sorry, they have weird masks. Yeah. Um, it's quite, quite a choice. Also, even though they randomly added Harry getting, like, knocked out, First of all, why? But also, like, it looked very painful, but it's like, because, yeah, getting kicked in the head, like, not fun. But also, the whole thing was so different than the books. Like, why did he randomly get kicked in the head and knocked out? I... For nothing. And why would Barty Crouch just go out into the open to do that? I don't know. They also... Well, clearly, he doesn't care if he's gonna get caught. Since they've decided to remove the whole mystery of this book and remove the whole plot of this book by showing us his face. Because I guess they paid big for that actor, so they need Yep, they need every second of his of him on screen. I love David Tennant. He's an excellent actor, but he is so first of all, so far from the book description of Barty Crouch Jr. And what the fuck is he doing with his tongue? <laughs> okay, I've got to say, um, it's kind of interesting, and also, like, I understand why he's doing it. Where did I write this down? Because I said a whole thing about this. Um, okay, yeah. His, like, yeah, that tick that he has going on is actually pretty brilliant considering that the movies couldn't or wouldn't include all of the clues we got in the book as to who like as to like what's going on with moody because like yes they removed the mystery in many many ways but also it's like that was kind of their way of like giving us the suspicion because in the books it's like you get that with clues and everything's weird and like all of that but since they couldn't include half of that stuff in the movie I that was a pretty interesting addition to like spark um you know suspicion in us and also we get to see Barty Crouch Sr. realize who Moody is yeah that doesn't even happen we don't even get to see that in the book. That happens away from Harry's, like, perspective. So we get to see that, and it wouldn't be nearly as effective if there wasn't something that we noticed about Moody and Barty Crouch that linked them together for us. So... Yeah. It is so I agree. But... I think... I, I, I was just making fun of the fact that it looks fucking weird. But <laughs> no, yeah. I'll, I'll give you that. It does. Yeah. I... Actually, I mean, I agree. I think it's a good that they had to tell. And it also makes a key difference in the movie than the book. That you can figure out who it is. You cannot figure it out who it is in the book. But you definitely can in the movie. Like I wonder if you gave someone the Goblet of Fire and you said... Like, said to them... um, 
Professor Moody is not who you think he is, figure it out. I wonder if they would be able to. Like. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Like, you would have to be really observant. And you would also just, like, you would have to know so much about, like, the magic within the book to think, okay, stealing from Snape's stores, and he even says, you and your friends are making polyjuice potion. Like, you would have to pick up on little things like that. Because that's clearly not a throwaway addition. That is clearly, like, a someone is using polyjuice potion. Who is it? So it's like, yeah, you would have to be so absurd. I really want to do that, actually. That's kind of an experiment. (laughs) Also, Harry should have absolutely died. He could have been trampled to death. Like, he's just (laughs) laying there. And the Death Eaters are parading around. They find Harry Potter. They're going to beat him the fuck up. (laughs) They're going to kidnap him. Put the bag over his head and throw him in the trunk. Like... Why, how did he survive that? Like, he was just laying there and and nobody, no good people thought to help. They just saw a poor teenage boy laying on the ground and they were like, he'll deal with it. Like. <laughs> he'll get up. Yeah. Um, one thing I will say about this movie is that there is little to no introduction, like, or explanation for anything. They seem to be using the method of having things happen and explaining them later. Like. It's just everything that happens just happens and it isn't introduced and then later it gets explained. It's it's weird. Do they want us to think that Moody hiked to school? What was he doing in the mountains? Um, he was easily he has a nice little cabin in the woods, you know. (laughs) He was easily like more than six miles away from the school when they show him in the mountains. You know, he's been taking the same steroids Nagini has. He's just been charging. (laughs) He's, yeah, you know, he's just getting in shape. Yep. (laughs) Maybe he has a broom. He just flew over, you know? Yeah. Um, they dramatized absolutely everything in this movie when it was not at all necessary. Everything is ten times more dramatic than it was in the books, or than oh, it needed you mean, to be at all. Harry, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? You mean that? I'm not totally there. I have more I'm, Of course that, not. I'm just saying. No, no, that, the Yule Ball, everything. <sighs> everything was so dramatic for nothing. Can we talk about the incredibly misogynistic char- the characters that come in the, of the schools? Because... Oh, you go ahead. <laughs> why are the girls moaning? Why are they moaning out butterflies? Why <laughs> are they looking at their asses as they're walking by? Why did the filmmakers think it was okay to film these underage girls walking from behind. For fun? (laughs) And then the men come out and start playing with their big old sticks. Make no euphemisms there. Like, oh my god. I I was offended watching this. (laughs) I was offended. Colin's like, I'm one of you guys, and I'm really- <laughs> Yeah. 
As a woman, yeah. I was offended. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just the whole thing is. I just don't understand. Um, I mean, I it, and it was purposeful to make them all girl and all bo- boy schools for no reason. Oh, yeah, they didn't yeah. have to do that. Literally, I like I read Goblet of Fire. Didn't read it for a couple years after, but I think I was watching the movie. I'd seen the movie several times in between when I read the book for like the second time. And anyways, when I was reading it again, I was like, wait, there's guys from Bow Battens? I had totally forgotten because of the Apparently, movie. Apparently, boys can't moan out butterflies as well as women do. So, Bow Baton, like, all the French boys just have to go somewhere else, I guess. Yeah, um, I guess not. Maybe they're just, like, I don't even know what I was gonna say. Just going to choose to not. Um, yeah. Yeah, I just... That whole entrance is so weird. Like, why... It's like the girls from Bow Battens have, like, oh, butterflies, how nice. And then the guys, it's like, fire. <laughs> um, the landscape around Hogwarts is extremely inconsistent. The Durmstrang ship is supposed to be in the lake, like, on the grounds, near the castle. But when they show it, they make it look like it's miles away from the school. Like, people go down to the lake at lunchtime, how are yeah. you going to show it literally 10 miles away? It would take people eight years to get there for lunch, and then they would have already graduated. So, like, there's literally no way. It just, it's not at all consistent. And Hagrid forks Flitwick, and I could not, that's not even funny <laughs> to me. It literally hurts. That seems so painful. <laughs> It's such an unnecessary addition, but it's so funny. I cannot laugh at that because that seems like the most painful experience ever. Don't ever stab a fork into my hand, please. You mean it doesn't look like so much fun? No. <laughs> no, I if I, I if I was Flitwick, I would cry. Like I don't know how he Yeah. Um, the shot of Karkaroff weirdly closing the Great Hall doors was so unnecessary because it's so obvious they're trying to throw you off a plot point. Yeah, what the hell was he doing in there if he didn't put Harry's name in? Why was he just chilling with the cup? And Are the they, do they make the doors, love on Saturdays? Like, like, what is he doing <laughs> with the cup? <laughs> the way he closed the door, too. He was like, <laughs> he was like squinting and I was like, what are you doing? What? I had that question for the whole movie. What is Karkaroff's place in this movie? Because I guarantee no one believes it's Karkaroff. They just throw in Karkaroff hints here and there, and then don't actually explain why he does anything he does in the end. Of course not. Why would they do that? He's just a weird fucking dude with a fruity voice. <laughs> Where's the fruity voice? I didn't hear a fruity voice. Okay, in that respect, fruity would mean kind of like, um, I looked it up, and it kind of just means, like, one of the synonyms was, like, greasy. I was not looking for Karkaroff to sound like a Yas Queen, Idelia. I'm just, I'm just like, I, what, where's the interpretation there? Okay, it's supposed to mean, like, 
resonant, deep, rich, like, and that's true. Like, he does have a weirdly resonant, like, voice. Something about the way he speaks is, like, interesting. So, that's exactly, like, what that means. So, they did do that. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe you just said I wasn't expecting Garcroft to sound like a Yas queen. <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> Can you name the episode that? Uh, sure. <laughs> Unless something funnier happens later. Yeah. Um, this is random, but I noticed watching this movie that Emma Watson breathes out through her lines, and I have never noticed it before. She adds, like, a lot of, like, extra, like, it almost sounds, it almost sounds like she's, like, laughing through her lines, but, like, it's not actually laughter, because usually it's when she's being serious. But it's just like it's hard to understand. No, they sometimes. they also have no idea how to laugh. I I've never seen a genuine laugh out of them in these movies. Like it's kind of awkward every time they try to laugh. Yeah, she's always like, Harry, like, <laughs> yep, like yep. she just ran a mile. Like, <laughs> um, this is random, but I gotta say the Triwizard Cup was adapted perfectly. Like it looks exactly like it was described in the book, and like I thought it would. And I like it. Yeah. Yeah, good Sounds, for them. Yeah, it was really good. Um, oh yeah, let's talk about this. The decision to have Dumbledore yell at Harry about putting his name in the goblet ruins the storyline. Because it makes it, and it ruins the storyline of the next book. Because it makes it seem like Dumbledore doesn't trust Harry. And so when all of the controversy happens, it makes people like legitimately question whether Dumbledore actually trusts Harry or if he just feels obligated to. Like... You know, it's like, it just, it ruins it. Because if Dumbledore doesn't unconditionally trust Harry from the very beginning, they're just, people are just going to question everything that he says for the rest of the series, which is not the goal. And why would Dumbledore put anybody in a chokehold? That's, (laughs) well, this guy has not read the books. He's already said this. And it's just, why... I don't understand why you can't read the books that y- you're in- don't understand interpreting. That. That's just being lazy. Like, yeah. if you don't read the books that you're about to be adapting into a movie, what are you doing there? But it's just, yeah, it just, it ruins the storyline. Because Dumbledore is supposed to be someone who has trusted Harry no matter what the entire time. So when people then go to watch Order of the Phoenix and Dumbledore's like, I stand with Harry, they're like, it's confusing because... He didn't, apparently, at first, when he thought that Harry might have put his name in the Goblet of Fire. So I feel like people are expecting something to happen with Dumbledore and Harry. But the whole point is supposed to be that Dumbledore trusts him no matter what. I caught it. (laughs) Sorry, there was a fly in my room. Um, Yeah, and so it just, it ruins the storyline completely. Yeah. And... I feel like it just is much more nuanced to have the character not be outwardly angry in the first place. Like, to just have his suspicions. Like, he doesn't even have to completely trust Harry in this moment if that's really what he's going for. Exactly. But, like, I would appreciate a Dumbledore who can hold his cool because he's supposed to be one of the most accomplished wizards in the world. Yep. And you're telling me he's just going to lose his cool over something as dumb as like childhood games basically yeah yeah it, it just it ruins like 
the foundation for Dumbledore's character that's been built. Yeah. Which is so irritating. Um, yeah. Also, the kid in the Great Hall who yells, like, he's not even 17 yet, sounds just like the kid who reads the entry from their textbook about the Grimm in the third movie. It might be the same dude. Maybe. Um, also, I didn't even realize we skipped a bunch, but why were Hermione, Fred, and George, like, hardcore flirting? I know. Like, honestly, they have more chemistry than Hermione and Ron in this movie, because Ron is just repeatedly a douchebag in this movie, and yeah. no one calls him out on it, and... Of course not. I... Are we supposed to like him by the end of this movie? Because he never apologizes for anything. He's just an asshole. And they uh, made him worse in the movie than he was in the book. And I thought that would that's an accomplishment in its own. Yeah, like, it was pretty bad in the books. Um, I will say, though, Rita Skeeter, excellent casting. Yeah, pretty pretty spot on. Yeah, she, she did... I don't remember that actress's name. Um, I'm going to look it up because I feel bad. Um, Miranda Richardson. Yeah. Great. Just, she was so good as Reese Keeter. Um, Yeah, I also feel like she kind of played up the pedophilia a little bit too much, though. Like, she was kind of being a little too creepy with Harry. Like, I know it's kind of in Rita's character, but, like, it felt To be fair, awkward. the whole broom closet thing was already creepy. I mean, they made it a little less creepy by making the joke of that he was in the closet at the beginning of, this, of the franchise. But, I it, it's still weird. No, yeah, it is. Um, okay, something that's always irritated me. Why... Is Hermione, like, okay to pass messages for Ron, but the second Harry tries to say something back, she's like, no. I'm like, why are you taking Ron's side, first of all? Why are you hanging out with him and not Harry? Well, I would argue that she definitely is hanging out with Harry equally as much. They have a lot of weird moments where... Yeah. But still, it's like, it's always irritated me that like when Ron's like here pass this weird confusing message for me she was like okay and then when Harry was like okay we'll tell Ron she was like no <laughs> like yeah I've always felt like this movie tried to push a love triangle between the golden trio because they definitely made some scenes that are definitely supposed to hint towards Harry and Hermione kind of being interested in each other like the moment where Hermione has her big glow-up moment. Harry is looking at her like he is in love. I have a note about that, and we will talk about it later. (laughs) Okay. Um, Professor McGonagall looked weirdly calm when Moody sent Barrett Malfoy down Crab's pants. She didn't even... So she comes up to him, she goes, is that a student? And Moody goes, yeah. And then she stands there and watches as he makes... Barrett Malfoy go down Crab's pants and she doesn't even do anything. And I'm like, (laughs) he literally just confirmed it was a student and you kind of just hung out until he was done. And then you're like, oh my god, don't do that. Okay, also, the first first task, um, visually cool to watch. 
However, I think the dragon chase was extremely unnecessary because oh, of how my traumatized God. it was and how it didn't happen in the books. Especially the part where Harry's dangling from the building. How are they just... Why was no one believe? doing anything? Huh? Why was no one doing anything? You didn't think that was, like, code red? Everybody hands on deck? Like, hop on your brooms and try and get this dragon? Like... Also, the maintenance on Hogwarts must be ridiculous. I know. Because they caused some catastrophic damage. Like, <laughs> the walls are going to fall in on all of your students. Like, I think you should be a little bit more concerned. I know. It's just, like, I have so many questions. Because, like, how are, they, how are they having us believe they got the dragon back? Like, first also, of all. Also, how, like... I'm concerned as, as if I was a student too, like, how am I going to get to my astronomy class? The bridge is gone. <laughs> a dragon took down the bridge. What? Are you just going to magically yeah, like, put that up? And also, did the dragon die? Because the did dragon did nothing wrong. Wild? Also, how does Harry Also, why would the dragon leave thing? its eggs like that? The whole point how was to defend the eggs. How does Harry have that much upper body strength? He literally was hanging from the side of the building with one hand for a really long time. Like, how did he not, like, fall to his death? Like, I just, seriously, it just, it, it was unnecessary. And also, like, what did everyone in the stands do while Harry and the dragon were flying all over Hogwarts? Was, like, like you said, like, was no one concerned? And yeah, I also wrote, they caused quite a bit of property damage. Yeah. <laughs> um, Victor's exercising is so awkward. What is he doing with his arms? I don't even remember what he was doing, but it was so weird. He was just like, he's like going like this, you know? He'd go like that. Was that part like, of that like weird montage? Yes. Of Where the before the Yule were, like, Ball? Following him? Yep. I mean, I thought it was really... I actually thought it was kind of cute how they handled the Crumb and Hermione thing in that yes. scene. Like, I yes. liked how she kind of was shyly looking up and the boys are like, what are you interested in in that man? Like, I thought that was clever. That was cute, but, like, I was just focused on what he was doing with his arms while he was working <laughs> out. He was yeah. just kind of flailing them around. I was like... Um... Also, I will never understand Harry and Ron being so mean about Neville having a date. Like, you guys don't have dates. How are you better than him? I, I don't know. And I, also, why did they add in that weird McGonagall teaching Ron to dance scene? Like, again, you didn't have time for the Quidditch World Cup, but you had time for this awkward dance scene with the boys and girls separated. Like... I don't get what the purpose of that is. Like, are you trying to make this, like, a teen movie? Like, oh my god, guys, it's like a rom-com, but it's Harry <laughs> Potter. Like, that's what it feels like for most yeah. of this movie. Yeah. Also, again, with Harry asking Padma and Parvati to go to the dance with him and Ron, it's exactly what I was talking about. They have something happen and don't explain it until later. They don't introduce it. He just goes, hey guys, and then they show up at the dance together. It's like, they don't explain anything. Also, Padma and Pavardi are creepy. Like, why are they 
why they why do they say everything in sync with each other? Why do they constantly walk in the same <laughs> direction constantly? What are do they not have separate classes? Like it's a bit scary. Like I would be terrified. <laughs> Hi, Harry. Like what? <laughs> I, I jump out of my skin. Okay, wait. I've gotten to the my note. The way that Hermione's dramatic entrance happens and Harry is just like staring at her the way that he is is just baiting their relationship yeah why I I don't I don't know I mean like there was ways they could have handled that like I think it's sweet to have Harry have that moment where he's like wow Hermione's very pretty like not in like a a romantic way but in just like I guess I'm, I'm not, I don't have a sibling, but I'm sure you can acknowledge when your sibling looks yes, nice. obviously. Like. Neither of us I, have siblings, they but, you know. They clearly could have done that in a way where, like, there's not, like, romantic music playing, and he's, like, awestruck, and, like, they, they could have given Ron that same moment if they were really gonna dramatize it yep. so much. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, and then the Ron and Hermione thing wouldn't have felt so weird in the movies. Yeah. Because then it really would have felt like Ron actually fell for Hermione. Because it doesn't seem like Ron gives a shit about Hermione in this. Yeah. Also- Ron is not, like, playfully arguing with Hermione in this. He is coming for her throat. (laughs) He has, yeah. a, he's at his final straw with her. He fucking hates her. <laughs> also, developing the Harry and Hermione thing too much made Harry and Ginny feel even more weird than it needed to be. Yeah. Because just... it seems like Harry, like, film Harry has some unresolved tension with Hermione. Like, that they need to work out. Like, the... I know some people love the dance scene. I know you defend the dance scene in Deathly Hollows, But I think with how much Harry and Hermione they've pushed in the past movies, that feels like if I was a Harry and Hermione, like, shipper, I'd be like, that is, this is, clearly they have more chemistry. Like, clearly this is the moment. No, I agree with, I agree with the implications and, like, what it did and how it, like, changed the movie in a negative way when it comes to that. I just think that if they would have developed the movies the right way, that would have been a very innocent, sweet moment between friends. And that's what it was supposed to be. But because of all of the weird developing their romantic relationship that happened, it wasn't. Like, I love that scene because it's just, it's also because, like I said, it's when I watch the movies and things are inaccurate, my brain just fills in what's actually true and I'm just watching it for fun. And so yeah. I only ever saw that scene as like a like a nice moment between two really good friends. But I absolutely understand how for people who haven't read the books, it it absolutely is grounds for saying, "Hey, maybe Harry and Hermione should have ended up together." Yeah. Um, um Harry, by the way, is a terrible dancer. Why is he standing so far away from Parvati? I think it is perfectly in character, though. No, I think uh, that is. I wrote that too. I wrote that too. It is so fitting. I think that's perfect. I think Daniel Radcliffe, if anything, definitely knew who the character of Harry Potter was. Oh my like, god! Yeah, he's 
so awkward in this movie, and I think it so works good. so well. It's excellent. No, yeah, he was standing literally like arm's length away from Parvati. It was. It was but that so was good. also because, like, in real life, Dandy Radcliffe got no time to practice that dance know, because yeah. he was doing the second task. Like, yeah, I like that. That's amazing. Too. Um, why are Mrs. Norris's eyes red? Um, why are they like blood red? Like. I guess they spent all the money on Voldemort's eyes, and then they were like, oh, shit, I guess we're not gonna do this, and then they just threw it on the cat. (laughs) Um, moving right along, Moaning Myrtle is way creepier than anyone ever talks about. Yeah. (laughs) I, I mean, it, I get it in the books, kind of, because it's, like, a child and she has pent-up energy, basically. Um, but in real life... That is a very old 40 woman. Forty-year-old woman, a forty-something-year-old yeah. woman. And I know they probably didn't actually do the scene together, but I think that's really. Cre- I mean, they couldn't have. No, she God goes no. through him. Yeah. <laughs> but still, like, it's weird. It's weird. Um, okay, so I've also discovered that the egg clue was not impossible to figure out because the screaming sound is the sound that people make above water, but literally who was going to figure that out? No one. Exactly. I, I rest my case. Um, okay, I absolutely think that if Hermione was old enough, she would have been qualified for this. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah. Like, she would have figured out most of this. Like, she would have done really well, I bet. Well, probably not. Not in, in these. Not, well, also, I'm saying, like, when she, she'd be so prepared, but then when she actually gets there, she'd, like, yeah. shit her pants. She'd be, like, terrified. That's um, what I would do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What was that flip that Harry did above the water in the second task? Why? Um, because it's so fun. It's so <laughs> funny. I thought it was so funny. <laughs> After the second task, when Harry finds Crouch literally dead, face like he's like dead in that. <laughs> li- okay, he, they made it seem much less urgent than it actually was. And when he gets to Dumbledore, as far as I remember, they actually don't discuss it at all. He goes to Dumbledore with the intention of like telling him, and then they talk about the yeah. Pensieve, and then he leaves. I'm like, are you just not going to tell him that you found a dead body in the woods today? Is that not something you think you should know? Does he even tell Ron and Hermione? Because he's with them in that scene in Hagrid. Because I, I guess they had to. That's also so weird. Because they no also one... had to put Hagrid in the movie still, I guess, to remind everybody that he's still there. So yeah. Um. I. That's so so unorganized. Um. I yeah I I never I never noticed how unorganized this movie feels. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm at the third task. Are you also? Wait, hold on. I also have to mention. I just remembered the unforgivable curses thing. I'm very unhappy with their decision to make them all green. Like, it you, it's magic. You had so many opportunities. Like, it looks so good if there's a bunch of different colors going around. Like that looks really cool yeah um but you guys decided to do two colors red and green and that is 
all of the spells. Like, that is really frustrating because it's... You don't even... You clearly aren't actually trying to be creative with any of the spells. So if you had done something as simple as just making them look different colors, then it could have been at least a little bit more visually interesting. Yep. (laughs) Just every single note is like, why didn't they do this? And then we're like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Cedric's goodbye to his dad is truly one of, like, the saddest things ever. Like, watching it is just... Because it's, like, even as a first-time, like, watcher of someone who probably, like, hasn't read the books, it's, like, there's something about it, about them featuring the goodbye and not featuring anyone else's, is kind of telling. They don't show Harry, like, really saying goodbye to anyone. They don't show Crumb. They don't show uh, Fleur. And she has her family there. Her sister is there. So it's like the fact that they feature Cedric's goodbye to his dad and not anyone else's is kind of like telling and it's sad. Also, the Boboton girls were doing the Macarena. <laughs> what? I'm not joking. They genuinely <laughs> were doing the Macarena. I'm going to look that up when we finish this. Okay. <laughs> um. Okay. I hate that at the beginning of this movie... Moody said that Fleur, and this is a direct quote, is as much of a fairy princess as I am, but then the entire movie, they made her seem super delicate and incapable of doing anything. Yeah. What? Like, at the she beginning... She does nothing to prove herself. At the beginning, he's when he says, like, she's as much of a fairy princess as I am, Moody is obviously not a fairy princess, and we go, oh god, she must be, like, super tough and, like, capable... The entire movie, she basically drops out of every single task early. Yeah, and also makes it the whole, you made all of them women, even more problematic because you're basically saying that even the best one out of all of these is incapable of doing any of the tasks. Yeah. Yeah. The only woman at all who was in the tasks. Yeah, it's just... Um, gotta say, though, Daniel Radcliffe did some pretty incredible acting in the graveyard scene. Like... Yeah. I've always thought he was really good in that scene. Like, that was some of his best work in the franchise, I think. This and the Department of Mysteries. Those aren't the only ones, but, like, those are two that definitely have always stuck out to me. And also, out of all of the things they could have dramatized, they did not dramatize Cedric's death enough. Because it yeah. is, kind of looks really funny. He twirls through the air before he lands on the ground. There's also the thing, though, is not only is, is it that, but it's like, I don't even necessarily think they should have dramatized his death because of how deliberately yeah. it was written in the books to be so quick and in passing that you don't feel emotion until... Uh, Harry is in Dumbledore's office, but since they, since they cut out that scene, either they were gonna pack in the rest with stuff until you got to take a breather at the memorial, which I think would have been a great choice. If they would have packed the last few mm-hmm. minutes like they did in the books and then gave you a breather in the memorial, that's when people would get sad, like it happens in the books. But instead, they made... Okay, they spent two long on his death but it, like for the wrong reasons 
you know? It's like, it was awkward, and I just felt like they didn't focus on it in the right way. Yeah, you know? I kind of feel the same way about Sirius's death in the next movie, because they spend so much time on it, and I think it would have been better if it was almost instant. Like, it would have been so cool to see how this guy just disappears in a second. Mm-hmm. And then... And then just like that. And, like, Harry is the only one to have seen this. Like, everything is still going on. I like the effect that they use in the Order of the Phoenix, where it's kind of like, it's just commotion, commotion, action, 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 and then everything stops when Sirius dies. I like that, but that could have happened quicker. Um, I don't completely agree either. I hate that they removed the audio. I I, think it's a horror. Okay, I think it's a horrible trope in movies in general to remove audio when characters are screaming in anguish. Yeah, because it we want to hear the pain. Like that acting at its core, and that is some of Daniel Radcliffe's best work in this franchise. I agree that they should not have removed the audio. I just mean visually the effect that the camera basically it feels like it comes to a really sudden stop. It's like you feel your it go like this. And it stops. I just mean that visually, the way that they shot that part, and it's just, yeah. it freezes. Because first, you're moving from side to side, action, action, people fighting everywhere, and then there's that quick moment with Sirius, and then everything stops. Like, I think visually, that was great. However, they should have kept the audio, and yes, that whole transition from Sirius being alive to him being dead should have been quicker, because that was the point. That was the entire point of his death was to show how quickly things like that happen. Like, yeah. that was that was the point of it happening in that way, specifically. But the thing also, about... Go ahead. Sorry. I have several things to say about the maze, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, the maze is just a maze. Nothing is in the maze. They it's literally just out. a maze. Um, also, they made this weird comment beforehand that the maze turns people against each other and that makes the crumb thing really confusing for the audience yeah yeah because it doesn't look that makes you think that somehow the maze has changed crumb yeah not that he's been imperious yeah like i don't know why they put that that comment in there yeah so i mean i don't know what we're supposed to think yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Um, but yeah, the thing about Cedric's death is that they spent extra time in, like, the kill the spare, and then he draws his wand, and then the no, and then the flash of light, and then he's dead, and then, like, all of this, all of that just wasn't necessary, because also the point of Cedric's death was for it to be quick, was for it to be quick yeah. in passing, and then Harry to immediately be taken onto other things so that he couldn't process it. You are not supposed to process Cedric's death until later. But you could because they took so long on having it happen that you've cycled through emotions already when you're not supposed to do that because we are supposed to be taking the same emotional journey as Harry. Yeah. So I just think because it's a movie and they wanted to to add the, you know... I also feel like in um, the... In a movie, even more than the book, I feel like they could have made us like Cedric more. Yeah. Like, I feel like they could have taken more time to show that Cedric is a good person. Yeah. Because... I think, yeah. 
he always I seemed mean, like a decent guy to me, like a good person, but they didn't spend enough time on it. Like, that mostly came from me reading the books and me thinking, he's a good dude. But, like, in the movies, yeah. they didn't. The movies also don't feel as much like they are connected to Harry. Mm-hmm. Like, in the book, we yeah. are only seeing through Harry. Yeah. But in the movies, we are constantly switching back and forth. Yeah. Like, we see Hogwarts every five shots. We <laughs> see, like, it's... they put the parts where we don't see Harry, like, they splice them throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I feel like it would have been okay to show more of the other characters, especially yeah. if they uh, don't care about the important parts of the story. Yeah. Um, Wormtail did not react nearly as much to cutting off his own hand in the movie than as he did in the books. Like, yeah. he basically, like, didn't act like he felt it at all. Yeah. Oh, and when Voldemort comes back, there is a moment... I saw this on a post somewhere. I'm not going to take credit for this. But, like, it's a moment where his veins are so apparent and, like, it looks like he's almost, like, sucked in air for the first time or something. And that is exactly how Voldemort should have looked for the rest of the series. Like, it's... His skin is so bony. And you can see everything. And, like, that would have been perfect. Like, he does not look nearly terrifying enough to me. I think that I would freak out if I saw him in person, but I do know what you're saying, and I yes. get it. Like, I think a lot of their original ideas for how Voldemort would look would have been a lot more terrifying. Yeah, I except for the one where it literally looks like he has fangs, and I was like, who, <laughs> who did that? Um... <laughs> No, yeah, I, I, yeah, I get it. I think they still had to appeal to younger audiences, and they didn't want to get, like, people being like, well, my kids can't watch this because it's too scary, you know? So, I get why they couldn't do that. But, um, this is just another, Ralph Fiennes is such a phenomenal actor. I will never not be amazed by his performance in this franchise. He's incredible in everything he's in. He's just, he's a great actor, and I'm so glad that he played Voldemort. Like, they could have chosen a lot of people, but I'm very glad that that it was Ralph Fiennes. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Also, how did Voldemort get his wand back? Like, where did it go after he killed Lily and James? Um, we're supposed to believe Wormtail grabbed it. Okay. Um, were all of the Death Eaters hanging out in their robes, or are they really good at quick changes? Um, I'm going to say that they just hang out in their robes occasionally, you know, just to feel something. <laughs> okay. Um, They're like, I've missed my college days. Yeah. Like. <laughs> okay. Of all things to rush in the movie, they rushed the graveyard scene and I wish they wouldn't have because Ralph Fiennes would have killed that speech. Yeah. He would have killed it. And they were like, no. And there is a reason that the book spends so much time on that. Like, you, I feel like the movie speaks down to the audience at some point. Because it's like, we don't need an action sequence every five minutes to be entertained. Like, we can watch this movie without being like, nothing's happening! (laughs) Get you the shooty lasers! Like, (laughs) 
I am okay with having a solid five minutes of just them talking. Like, I'm okay with that. That's what I want. That's the thing. It's like, these movies became so shallow, but it's like, that speech is like, God forbid, just a little important, you know? Like, just, what a thought. But like, yeah, it's because it's, they spent so much time on it because that's the first time you ever hear it. That is the first time you ever hear a real, like, actual explanation of, like, what happened and what, like, you know, it's, like, nothing surrounding Voldemort and him coming back from the very first book all the way through this one are connected basically at all until this moment, until this speech. Why would you get rid of it? Also, this is a long time ago, but I forgot to mention it, that they start calling Sirius Padfoot in this when they didn't address that in the last movie. Yeah. So if... What... what It doesn't make any sense. The speech was so important and they got rid of it. And it's like, this that is the very first time any of the Voldemort plot points are connected. Yeah. And also, this is our first time we see the real Voldemort. We need to bask in that. I like, know. And Ralph Fiennes would have killed it. I know. Like, oh. I also, I wish the movie makers would have listened and made Harry's parents and Cedric and anyone who came out of Voldemort's wand more solid. Because in the book, Harry said they looked like go- like ghosts, but they looked very solid. Like, basically mm-hmm. people, but gray. Like like how they did in Desi Hollows. Yes. That is, ex- that is exactly what they were supposed to look like. But instead, they were weird. You couldn't even really see their faces. Yeah. Okay, also, Harry's parents were, like, from the chest up, and Cedric was from, like, the waist up. <laughs> and then, yeah, it was it was strange. And I wish, like, you could hardly see them, but they were supposed to be so real-looking that Harry almost questioned if he saw his parents, like, actually that night. And they yeah. didn't do that. So, um... And again, the guy that played Amos did a, an excellent job in the scene where he saw Cedric after the third task. That like, is genuinely one of my favorite scenes in all of the movies. It, like, it was very well done. I The way the music slowly trickles out, it's just so good. And people don't all realize at the same time. Like, that's how this kind of stuff works. Exactly. Like, exactly. we see every single character have the moment where they realize. And I think that was so clever. Yes, yes. And we even see, like, we can even see, without them saying anything, a worry in Ron and Hermione's face for a second because they don't know if Harry's alive. Like, they're they're hearing someone's dead. They don't know who's dead. Yep. That scene was one of, yeah, just so well done. Like, one of the best scenes, I think, in the entire franchise. It was just very, very well thought out and well done. Um, Also, in the music... Um, when Harry realizes that something's up with Moody, you can hear the mood shift. You can mm-hmm. hear it in the music. Like, it's almost like a very... It's almost as if they were playing one piece and then just put a whole new piece on their stands and started playing it. It's like, you can hear the moment. Like, if you couldn't see Daniel Radcliffe's face, you can hear when he realizes that something's wrong with Moody. Mm-hmm. It's great. Um, but then they completely remove Barty Crouch's speech as well. That is exactly what I was going to say next. They got rid of 
all of it. Anything that could have connected any plot points in this entire movie or from other books, completely gone. Yeah. Well, the movie ends with a really cheesy look of all of them looking out at them leaving. Everything's going to change now, isn't it? (laughs) I know. And, like, they're trying to give... They're trying to do exactly what the book set against. Like, they're... It's not going to be okay. It's, it's like, this is when it's first supposed to click that this is not, not every book's going to end well. Like, not exactly everything is going to work out in the end. Yes, yes. Cedric was the first legitimate tragedy we witnessed in the same night we witnessed Voldemort coming back. Like, that's setting the tone that, like, stuff like that's going to happen. Like, it's, it's, it, it's introducing the possibility that people are going, people we know are going to start dying. They started with an acquaintance, and the next person is going to be someone very close to Harry. And then it's just going to keep going. Like, they're introducing exactly. that. And they did like, follow up in the movie. Someone died. And Hermione's like, oh, well, this was a pretty goofy year, wasn't it? <laughs> like, it's not the end of a cheesy 2000s movie. Well, it literally is the end of a cheesy 2000s movie. <laughs> but, like, there, it's not your average year in high school. Like, it's... Oh, ah! I know. I know. I hate this movie so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways... Thank you all for coming to this movie episode of Ron and Hermione Minus the Romance. Um, we really appreciate you. Be sure to please follow us on Instagram at Ron and Hermione Minus the Romance. And maybe send us an email at Vulcanoutbones at Gmail. Or go and rate our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, and be sure to come back next week because we're starting Order of the Phoenix. Woo! Yay! Okay, I trust that we will see you all here next week. Ha <laughs> ha